0: Uh, thanks for the en- enlightening lecture sir, Thank you. these are the things we have never heard, never read in our schools and uh, one thing just apart from this thing, I, uh, one thing always, uh, I, was, I always wondered when I was a kid, I was studying in st- Standard 8 and when the modern history was being taught, that parallelly when the battle of Plassey was going along in uh, Bengal, after 4 years only third battle of Panipat went so the just wanted to ask this thing what was going in the mind of marathas they must be aware that the british are uh, uh, capturing the eastern portion of india so did they plan anything for that or did they did they had they, they i mean concentrated on the north only uh, at that point of time uh, in 1757 when the battle of plassey taking place the british had been recognized as a threat but they were not recognized as the most major threat in india and the Maratha at that point of time wanted to establish themselves firmly in the north. The Battle of Panipat essentially century was about uh, capturing North India, establishing themselves in Delhi, and then move towards. The whole plan was to take this uh, northern uh, region, Delhi, and then move towards the uh, UP, Bihar, and Bengal region. Because Nana I'm sorry, uh, Nana Sahib, own letter is there, and you can hear it. Right? So um, his, letter, his own letter is that once you have uh, put these people in place go towards the Awadh region because that is where even today the, right from the time of Ramayana mawar that is India's political core, the Awadh region. So go through the Awadh region and you put in place Bengal and Bihar also. So most probably it would have eventually come to that conflict because the signs is already there that there is going to be a conflict with the British. Yeah. The whole idea was to establish uh, in Delhi, in North India and then move towards these places. Unfortunately, the third battle of Panjimba didn't turn out as expected. Sir, you told about Sambhaji's capture. Uh, There are many theories that uh, the character of Sambhaji or the strategies of Sambhaji was not very good and we heard uh, stories of Khandoji, Ballada and everything. What's your take? Was Sambhaji, uh, personally, was he a uh, good kind of person? Uh, Way I would put it is, he had one job to do. Protect Swarajya which he did yes so i would say uh, that his job was to keep swaraj intact and in nine years he managed to do it we might say that some of his policies were correct wrong but we have to remember that one thing he is 25 years old when he starts off which is a young age by any, any measure he is going to have traits of a 25 year old he is being faced with a huge mughal army and Given these circumstances, in retrospect we might feel right or wrong but at that point of time perhaps it was the most correct thing to do from his point of view. And eventually what I would feel is that if we had lost 1690, if the Mughals had captured all of Maharashtra and there was nothing to fight for, if that had been the case or if we had lost in first two or three years, then perhaps we can say that this policy was wrong, that policy was wrong. But eventually end goal was achieved and you were achieved with a lot of personal bravery. He also took a lot of personal risk because he gave shelter to Akbar, Akbar II, who is Aurangzeb's own son who had defected, who wanted to fight his own father. He had given protection to him. That was a great personal risk because obviously a lot of um, you know, effort was going to be directed towards samaji only because of this reason. And I would say that given the circumstances operated under and the times operated under, he did what he was supposed to wanted to establish themselves as a major power in North India but even though they had the means to do so, they never deposed the Mughal Mughals. So yeah. what, was, what was the reason for that? Uh, yeah, so I basically give my own opinion on this because there is no really paper anywhere saying that we, so these are five reasons why they did not depose the Mughals, one, two, three, four, five. So we have to go through, various because it is not the only uh, Chathwadi Shahu who says that we don't want the Mughal. This has been reiterated multiple times. Sridhwati Saud did not want the Mughal deposed. Again in 1652 there was a karar. 1652 when they had become very powerful in all of India, there is a karar, there is an agreement between the Marathas and the Mughals that the Mughal will stay. There is again a case in 1772 when Mahaji Sinday has become very powerful in Gwalior in North India where he actually brought the Mughal. Mughal emperor had actually escaped from the Red Fort to Allahabad in 1772 because of some Afghan as Zabita Khan. So he had escaped and uh, Mahaji Shinde brought him personally all the way from there and made him sit on the throne. Again in 1788 when the saffron flag was actually planted on Redford's walls, the Mughal was not removed. So obviously there were different people, different times when this uh, Mughal had been preserved on the throne. So it's not a case of personal opinion of one or two persons doing it. It's obviously a kind of policy. somewhere some logical thing is going on here, why the Mughal is in place. Because so many people can't do it out of you know love for history or something. So yeah. So essentially we come to that. Yeah. So we go through various uh, reasons as to why. One is that by the time the uh, Marathas reached north, uh, they had been firmly established in Pune and Satara as the capitals. Uh, it would be that the entire bureaucracy, everything was being controlled for capital city. Delhi did not have the kind of importance left anymore. It had been reduced to a symbolic importance because all these places have become somewhat independent. Punjab, Awadh, all this. It was a case of symbolic importance to remove the Mughal. Secondly, it was not just oh, removing one person and saying oh, we want this person in place. What the Maratha looking at was an ecosystem, a kind of system that had been put in place right the time, right since the time of Muhammad Ghori. From 1192, he had successive number of Sultanates, all these people had come and they had completely taken over the administration. In fact, somebody had come up that day with an entire list of Kshatriya castes which are today doing the jobs of drain sweepers, toilet cleaners, garbage lifters. Why? Because their Kshatriya job was taken away by so and so king and so and so time. And that is why find there is hardly any um, commander or any ruler of note in the late 1700 late 1600 hindu commanders of North because administration was simply in other hands so it was a case of not only doing away with the mughal this one person but doing away with this whole system which has been built up over 300 400 years so it was not going to happen in 20 or 30 years then it was going to be a big task of shifting their whole rule to north india they have fully established they built cities in maharashtra it takes some doing to shift the entire city to north. One person named Muhammad Tughlaq tried it in 1300s. And <laughs> Sorry, <that laughs> so yeah, also one more thing to complete. Also, we do not find the British moving the capital from Calcutta for a very long time. So the same question can be put to them also. Why didn't they take out the Mughal? Because the same. Because, uh, fine, symbolically Mughal was this that and uh, but practical consideration. Also, once they had got there, there were a lot of people trying to get into the city. Because Delhi, although it had shrunk in importance, it was a very rich city. Even in 1750, when M.H. Abdali attacked, he took away 27,000 camels of loot in just one invasion of Delhi. So there, anyone sitting there would have to face problems from Jats, from Afghans, from Rajputs, from other various factors, from royal Afghan, this, that. So the Marathas wanted to reach a stage where they were fully confident of holding that city and ruling from there and Panipat essentially, why they had to large number of camp followers because they wanted to come and establish themselves over here. Unfortunately, they didn't go through and uh, hence the Mughal stayed as a puppet ruler. Uh, no, I think so because uh, the capital had more or less shifted away. So whatever Hindu is, uh, it's like Delhi was a central city back then but it had shifted to Pune. And all the uh, symbolism of Hinduishwaraj was there in whatever parts were being ruled by Marathas. There was a flag, a saffron flag flying atop the Red Fort. So, except the person of the Mughal, all these various changes were brought about. Uh, more importantly, is a work carried out in cultural and social fields by the Marathas, where they did away with all these things, where they minted coins. Uh, Ayla by Holkar's contribution is, really, is especially important. In this. Uh, What we must realize is that all this was happening in a time span of 40 to 50 years. Maybe another 50 years things would have been different, but within that point of time, they did away with a lot of um, you know baggage of the past 300 years and established what was Swaraj in various parts of India. They did a lot of work for (coughs) temples, Uh, the Nagpur Bhosles. Contributed majorly to the Jagannath Temple in Orissa, which had been facing dead phase 17 attacks before that. Right? They stopped once Nagpur was there, Came there. Of course, Ajna workers and all these Peshwas, uh, right from the Peshwa to the Sindhis workers, they did a lot of work on the cultural field. Essentially, where the Marathas established themselves, Hindu rule was brought about in various ways. But it was a slow process. Not going to happen immediately. Yes. Uh, well, during this long war of 27 years. Chhatrapati uh, Shahu, the future Chhatrapati Shahu, was actually a hostage of the Mughals. How come was they a... didn't use this to their advantage? The whole idea was that when Shatrapati Shahu came of age, he would be made to accept Mughal vassalage. And since he was the king, uh, that is how the whole land was going to come to the Mughals because he had found out that simply killing people of Marathas is not helping. He had killed his father and nothing had come of it. So, they tried, was, the whole plan was to use him as a pawn at the appropriate time, but Aurangzeb uh, died before it, and more important than dying, he had lost the war. The whole idea was to uh, brobeat the Marathas into submission, into defeat, and then use this as a pawn to start ruling over them. In some way, his escape did affect the Marathas because it created a division which is later on uh, known as the Kolapur and Satara Gadis, because there was a power center at Kolhapur. Caused by Maharani Tarabai, who had been fighting these 7 8 years, and by Chatrapati Sahu, who established himself at uh, Satara, and he was the actual Chatrapati. And this is how his uh, escape did affect the uh, politics later on, but Maratha was able to come out of it, fortunately. Yes. Mm. Excellent yes. talk, Anish. One question that I had, and this is something that I have been thinking about for a while now is that we see that the Marathas had established a wing in Tanjavur itself but we do not necessarily see the Tanjavur Marathas coming to help uh, to the Marathas in Jinji for that matter, uh, even in Jinji for that matter forget coming all the way to the... uh, uh, In uh, Jinji it is all, Shahji the second was the ruler in Tanjore at the time Shaitapati Rajaram reached there and uh, there is uh, definite evidence that he helped uh, send supplies from Tanjore to Jinji. Not only supplies but he also managed to send about 15,000 soldiers from Tanjore to Jinji. So there is the, not too much help but definitely um, he recognized. First of all he had established a Hindu kingdom in Tamil Nadu by freeing himself from the uh, Adilsai kingdom. And then he recognized that the Marathas were his step brothers, were in a huge problem and whatever was his, wherewith, um, whatever was his means, uh, Tanjore Marathas definitely helped uh, Chhatrapati Rajaram at Jinji but again on the political side they are not uh, very prominent. Tanjore Marathas are more known for their cultural and uh, social contributions. They gave a lot of patronage to Telugu and later on to Tamil Literature and Marathi. Yeah. Sir uh, what did uh, Chhatrapati Shivaji mean by Hindu Swaraj and what was the actual reason for the adoption of the kesariya Dwaj as a symbol of uh, maratha resistance and uh, indian uh, native rule in uh, resurgence essentially uh, Hindavi Swaraj meant self rule Swaraj and uh, he did he recognized that these people had come from outside in fact there are letters even when the adil which is a separate kingdom which was going on, it was initially under the rule of deccani muslims under uh, kannadega muslims when the Pathans in that kingdom were getting powerful. There let are letters saying that the Pathans are outsiders, they are not supposed to become powerful in Karnataka. And obviously for his own Swaraj, there uh, was a the case that they could not be any outsiders there. So it was about self rule and all these symbolism. He did Bhasa Suddhikara. There were too many Persian words in Marathi. He removed them. He minted coins. He adopted the Bhagavad Vaj, Bhagavad Vaj comes uh, right from ancient times, right from Agni, it is a Hindu symbol recognized right from the time of Ramayana, and Mahabharata, perhaps earlier. So this was a very uh, Hindu symbolic statement to adopt that flag to remove Persian words, to remove Persian words from the administration and not only that but he carried out a Rajabhishek which was according entirely to Hindu rights. So this is what he meant by Hindavi Swaraj that this is our land and we are going to lo- rule it according to our customs. There was no logic in Turks and Afghans speaking Persian ruling from any place in Maharashtra or Delhi for that matter. So this is what was uh, Hindavi Swaraj for uh, Thank you Anish. Uh, uh, two weeks back again on the same period there was a presentation, with reference to that I like your comment, one was like you mentioned just you now there were two after release of uh, uh, the Saoji there were two things. There was one question that why the East was not covered. What I understand from that uh, last uh, thing, I may not have understood correctly, that the other one were given the uh, power of the East if they can capture something of that no. sort. was That was one thing. And another thing about some treaty which was signed that they will protect the Mughals or something. Uh, in reference to what he said, okay, that uh, why they didn't remove. There was, a, a, I forgot that, that treaty was there that we will protect yeah. Delhi or something to regarding that, what is your comment on that? 1715 between Bayaji Vishwanath and uh, Right. now there are two things, you had chatrapati Shahu who was at Satara, he was the de facto ruler, uh, at that point of time the son's, um, the king's son was the king, in today's time we might think differently that he has just escaped from Mughal camp and come to the um, southern region, so come to Maharashtra. But another part of the uh, prevalent thinking was in terms of dynasty. So on the basis of this, he was able to get a lot of sardas uh, such as Swaji to his side. At the same time, Tarabai had fought for about 7 years continuously against the Mughals. But she was a woman. She could not rule as per the prevalent customs. The other person was Sambhaji. Sambhaji was Marani Tarabai's stepson. And uh, this is how you got two separate... One is that Kolapur is the power centre, Satara is the power centre and now we are looking at Maharashtra fighting among themselves for the rest of their lives. So Bhaiyaji Vishwanath also realised that by this time Maharashtra had been completely swept clean of all kind of wealth because it had been 27 years of warfare. There was hardly anything left in Maharashtra and somewhere Sataravati felt that he needed to find a shell where the Maharashtra could grow again find of uh, enclave or a uh, protected area, and uh, so this the sanad with the Mughals, It has multiple things in it. One is that it recognizes Chhatrapati Shahu as the Chhatrapati and grants him the chauthai and sardeshmukhi rights. That is one fourth produce for that sardar and one tenth of that taxation goes to the Chhatrapati himself for six provinces in the Deccan. Also, the same sanad says that. Um, Kolhapur will be recognised as independent. That particular power centre will be independent. These two, Shahu and they will not fight against each other and he can rule his kingdom as he wants. So given the right, you capture the East, they didn't they, uh, capture the East rights were given to Raghuji Bhosle later on. Raghuji Bhosle was related to Shahu uh, by way of marriage and marriage all this. This happened in much later in 1750s. When Nanaseh Peshwa was sent towards Bihar, Nanaseh Peshwa went towards Bihar, Gaya, he captured some parts of Dharkar and he came down. Raghurji at the same time was going from Nagpur towards Bengal. These two persons clashed at a place in uh, somewhere Chhattisgarh or Bengal, I am not sure. Place called Bendu Pass. clashed and uh, Chhatrapati Shahu now had to decide between two very powerful sardars of his one own Peshwa and the other Raghuji bhosle as to what is going to happen next because you can't have people fighting against each other. So Chhatrapati Shahu decided in 1750s that the east belongs to Raghuji bhosle and the provinces to the north belong to the Peshwa and that is how the Bhosles grew in orissa so It has uh, little to do with this uh, culture of Kolapur. Kolapur doesn't figure very uh, strongly in that. Later on in the sense of empire building Uh, Maharani Karabai becomes prominent later on in 1750s again when she is about 70 years old and uh, when she becomes prominent she tries to take part in politics but uh, as far as Maratha expansion is concerned that house did not play a role in later history. As far as preserving the Mughal is concerned, again the reasons we go back to why why I mentioned why the Mughal had to be preserved. So by doing so they got the Sanat that Sadat was still effective. It was uh, difficult because uh, a unity of all these Muslim uh, commanders could be prevented as a result. What it did was that the Marathas could now enter the Mughal court and play off factions against each other, which is what it did. The whole um, idea was to play off the Irani-Turani factions against each other and that is how Marathas established the rule on Delhi by playing off the various factions in uh, Delhi. Uh, to their advantage. Yes, this uh, this controversy, There are many historians who are of the view that it was wrong to sign it. There are many of the view who say that according to that condition, Bajira did a good job. So, but we have the benefit of hindsight. And at that point of time, 1713, when Bajira was 13 years old, they did not know that he was going to capture the whole of India later on. And um, they had been fighting a war. It was 27 years of warfare going to completely destroy any place fighting that war. So they had to really find a place where they could protect themselves and grow and not face a threat again from the north. So in that case perhaps it was a great decision. Now I believe that the name Hindu Kush was given after one of the biggest genocides that the world has ever seen after the skulls of um, Hindu, I mean after the mountain of Hindu skulls which were raised. What was this mountain range known before it was named Hindu Kush? I believe the associate name is Paryapta Parvat. No, well, um, no. there is a various, that is Hindu Kush name, there are various theories as to why it is named Hindu Kush. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was named I believe Paryapt Parvat in uh, Sanskrit before it came under Farsi and uh, you know, Turkic influence. Now the word Hindu Kush, uh, one as you said is correct, one interpretation is that it means Hindu slaughter, Kush as in slaughter. And it was because a large number of slaves were being carried from north Indian plains towards the um, you know, Uzbekistan-Afghanistan region from where all these people came. So they, when they retreated, they took away slaves with them and all these slaves who had spent all their time in North India were unable to bear that journey through the Khyber Pass because of the cold, because of the harsh conditions and they died in the Khyber Pass and hence because of the large number of Hindus dying, it was named Hindu Kush. That is one theory which is considered to be correct by many. There is another theory saying that Hindu Kush is a corruption of the word Hindu Ko. Ko meaning mountain. We have meaning uh, Kohinur, we have Kohinur meaning mountain of light. So similarly this uh, Ko has got corrupted to Kush. Also we have the uh, language which is prevalent in Hindu Kush so known as Hindu Ko which is again uh, come from the same word. So yes one of the theories is about this but not confirmed as to exactly how it came about this word.